You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 75. I think soon after we came home and just talking about it, we both realized even though he's only been here for such a short time, we feel like he's always been with us. It's kind of hard to remember a time without Noah, even though he's so new. Yeah, that's actually, that's what I was about to say. And <laughs> uh, I that's what I remember. I remember having that discussion with you and I remember that being, of course, very early on, maybe like a few days, maybe even a week after he came home. But yeah, I mean, it felt like he was, it was part of the family, even though of all these memories before, no, it just felt like he was always a, a, a part of our family. It would be strange for him to be away now for a day or two, it really would be. It's very hard to really, mm-hmm. you know, articulate that feeling. Hey there, and welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC Childbirth Education and Labor Support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Are you following us on Instagram yet? We have lots of educational content there, so connect with us over at Birth Matters NYC. Today, you'll hear one of the rare but exciting stories of a precipitous birth, one that proceeds much more quickly than the average first-time birth. We've positioned it in between stories of very long labors as a reminder of the huge range of normal. Lisa and Clint both share the story of a labor that, from the time contractions woke Lisa up, lasts only around four hours before Clint catches their son as soon as their cab drops them off at the curb of Weill Cornell Hospital in Manhattan. You'll hear me say this in the interview, but I think it bears repeating. Of the thousands of parents I've worked with in the 12 years now that I've been doing birth work, Lisa is one of only three people who didn't make it to their birthplace. Though, to give them some credit, they actually did make it to their hospital, just not inside the hospital before the birth. Before we hear from Lisa and Clint, just a quick word from today's sponsor. If you're in your second or third trimester, the best way to build your confidence and prep for an amazing birth and entry into parenthood, and to connect with other expectant parents to build your very important support system, is to attend group childbirth classes. You'll spend quality time with your labor support partner either in our comfy Astoria living room classroom or on your own comfy couch, if virtual, as you prepare for not only birth, but also for your best possible postpartum recovery and wellness, as well as early parenting with classes on body feeding, also known as breastfeeding, and newborn care techniques. Classes often book up one or two months in advance, so be sure to grab your spot on the early side. Eileen, who will share her baby's birth story in next week's episode, wrote the following kind review about birth class. Your classes helped us enormously throughout labor and also advocating for ourselves in the hospital. For more info and to sign up, visit birthmattersnyc.com. Now grab your hats for today's story. Hi, Lisa and Clint. How are you today? Great. How are you? Thank you. How are you? Great. I'm so glad you agreed to come share your very exciting birth story with us today. First of all, can you just please introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here and share our story. My name is Lisa, and I have been living in Astoria for about 10 years now. 
and gave birth to Noah just over a year ago. Happy birthday. <laughs> it's kind of a fun way to commemorate the occasion. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm Clint. I've been living in Astoria for five years now, the whole time with Lisa. Met her when she was on a work trip when I was living in Virginia a long time <laughs> ago. So moved up here to be with her and have been enjoying uh, our time together in Astoria ever since. <laughs> nice. I always love having Astoria neighbors in my classes. And Lisa and Clint were my students back in January, I think it was, of 2020 when you gave birth, not long before mm-hmm. the pandemic shut down. Thank goodness you just beat that. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad we were able to be there in person. Yes. Would you please give us a little background about how your pregnancy went and the different ways that you prepared for this journey into parenthood? Sure. Well, I was kind of nervous about the whole thing. I know it's a big change and a lot going on with your body. And I just didn't know what to expect. I like to always know what's going to happen and have a plan and be very organized when it comes to different things. So just having to just see what happens was a little bit difficult. I think that was one of the reasons we wanted to take your class just to learn a little bit more about what was going to happen and what we could expect. I also was always very active. So I really continued to do everything that I had done before, just kind of slowed down a bit as the pregnancy progressed. Like I always ran a lot. So I switched to doing the elliptical I kept up doing Pilates. I took prenatal yoga classes with Juliana at the yoga room. Yay! Everybody um, loves her. That was amazing. I really missed that. (laughs) I'll be sure to include her website in the show notes. And she's been doing virtual prenatal classes (laughs) and non like regular yoga classes too for people online. And it's been really lovely as well as like online meditations throughout the pandemic Mm -hmm. twice a week. So I think that was also really helpful. I feel like I learned so much from her too about just what was going on with my body and how to be more comfortable, different positions to be in and things like that. So I found all of that really helpful. My pregnancy was, I I don't know if I would say easy. It was very uncomplicated, right? I mean, I didn't really have any morning sickness or food aversions or really any of those sort of side effects. So as far as all of that goes, I would say it was kind of boring. (laughs) (laughs) Boring is good (laughs) in that sense. Cool. And so Clint, were there certain books that you read to prepare to be a great labor support as well as to become a dad? Any thoughts about that? What was going on for you during pregnancy? Well, I read Bringing Up Baby, and then of course, both of Emily Oster's books. And I thought that those were very helpful because I don't know, I had a little bit of trepidation just because you're kind of stepping into the unknown. So it really does help to try to learn before the birth. So that helped. And then, yeah, as far as taking the, the, the class goes, it was a great time to take it being that it was a month out. It gives you uh, a lot more confidence about that process. Really, really. <laughs> the huge I mean, range of normal? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you go into this and you really don't have any idea what to expect. I mean, you have friends and family that have been through it before and you know everything turns out okay, but it's one thing to hear those stories. It's another thing to be an active participant in it. And so I think just the best part of the class was just 
having an idea of what was going to happen and also learning how to be helpful through the process. That makes you feel a whole lot better too about things, just being able to know that you can help. So that's what I enjoyed about it or, and appreciated about it. You guys had such a quick labor. We'll, we'll be hearing about that shortly. Sorry. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> but that, I'm just thinking you probably didn't get to use a lot of the techniques that we learned in class, but maybe one or two. <laughs> we will hear soon. One thing that I, I think that it was right after we took your class and there were some of the sort of different props and things that you had introduced us to. I did buy a yoga ball and I sat on it a lot. The last weekend before I gave birth, I think that was the only thing I sat on. <laughs> it just felt good or why were you sitting on it? Yeah, I think it was. I And I could just kind of like shift around a bit and move and just, I just really loved having that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you used it in pregnancy since you probably barely used it, if at all, in labor. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Well, anything else about pregnancy before you jump into your birth story? I No, I don't think so. Is there anything in terms of like the last bit of your pregnancy? Like, were you seeing any pre-labor signs? Were you noticing anything that seemed to be cueing you that baby might be coming? I I had some Braxton Hicks, like probably later on. They weren't like all throughout the pregnancy. Like I know some people have them for a long time. So I was experiencing that. And I wonder now if like I was in early labor, maybe like the day before and thought it was just Braxton Hicks or kind of brushed it off. That's great. I mean, the longer you can ignore it, the better, right? We talked about that in class. The day before we actually walked like a couple of miles around Astoria, I had a snake plant that died and I really wanted to get a new one. So we were out all day doing things and I was really tired when we got home. But I mean, I was 39 weeks at that point. So I figured it was all just normal to feel that way. But maybe there was something that I missed. I don't know. (laughs) So then how did labor start? So it started on a Monday morning. It was President's Day. And I was kind of hoping to go into labor earlier. I really didn't want to go past my due date. And I was like, this is a long weekend. It would be perfect. I kept saying, I hope it happens this weekend. But I woke up on Monday morning around 530. And I was pretty certain I felt a contraction. I tried to time it. I just kind of counted to myself. I was still like laying in bed. And it lasted about a minute. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to see what happens. It wasn't too intense or anything. And then I had another one about 20 minutes later. And that's when I woke Clint up to tell him that I thought it was starting, but they were so far apart that I was like, this will probably go on for a while, but just want to let you know that I think it's starting. And I think there were maybe like two more or three more after that, that were like 18 to 20 minutes apart. And then after that, we did get a contraction timer, an app, which was another thing that you recommended. They started getting closer together. So I was like, maybe we should try timing them. And that just didn't work for us. They started getting really intense, really quickly. It was very erratic. They were, I think a lot of them were kind of short, right? Like I would say kind of like, okay, like it's starting. And then it would kind of subside. I'm like, wait, I think it's over. And then it would get really intense. So I was 
kind of unsure if I was having contractions or what was happening. (laughs) It's hard when it's really, really non-textbook. I mean, that frequency is often not textbook, but it sounds like even more than the frequency was erratic for you. Yeah. So I think because they weren't kind of following the, the timing that we expected, I wasn't sure if I was having contractions, but now, you know, talking to my doctor after explaining kind of what happened to people in the medical field or whatever, everyone's like, yeah, those were contractions. (laughs) (laughs) And can you describe like where in your body you were feeling it? Is there any way to articulate that? Towards the, the last like couple of weeks of the pregnancy, the baby got very low. So I felt a lot of like pressure like very your bladder. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. Kind of like low back, like all around like that area. So it just felt like really heavy Mm -hmm. there, if that makes sense. And throughout this whole time, when I was laboring at home, once the contractions really started picking up, I was just like kneeling at the couch. I couldn't really like stand up straight. I couldn't sit on anything. Like I was just like really comfortable kind of kneeling. I had my head resting on the couch, which I think was another position that we learned from you. (laughs) Um, And I was able to just, one of the things I really took away from yoga was just learning to breathe. So I really was like laying there and just trying so hard to just focus on breathing and kind of forget about what I was feeling and try not to think about that too much. So I do think all of that helped. Good. Yeah. That focusing on the breath is just such an amazing distraction for many people. Yeah. And Clint, can we back up for a second to when Lisa woke you up? What did you think? How did you respond? Oh, I just remember being uh, pretty calm about it at, at the beginning. Like, okay, well, this has started and maybe it just like excited too, but we're going to get to meet our baby soon. I think though, at the point where the contractions were erratic and we really couldn't time it, I started, I think we were on the phone with the doctor twice at least. And and I was really relieved. I, I think it was a second call they, they said to, to come in because I had the sense of urgency, like we need to go. I'm going to feel better when we get to the hospital because I wasn't sure, well, because I'd never been through the experience before, what stage we were in it and it seemed to me to be very, you were in a severe amount of pain, you know, and there was was some screaming. Yeah. There was some screaming and it just, I don't know. I just felt a sense of urgency that like we needed to move. We needed to to get going. And after the first call with the doctor, I was like, kind of, well, we've got to stay here a bit longer now. I remember too, that it was even hard to get you dressed and out the door. I mean, you had to put on flip-flops you couldn't even put on shoes, tie a shoe. So you had to walk out and flip flop. So yeah, I mean, it was, I was ready. I was ready to go early, <laughs> early on in the process, even though maybe I didn't verbalize yeah. that or anything. Maybe. Yeah. Cause yeah, I was going to say that sounds like a discrepancy a little bit from between what Lisa was saying, like, Oh no, we don't need to go anywhere. Was the messaging I was hearing that she was hearing from you. Well, he was keeping me calm, but maybe on, so yeah, yeah, on the inside, it was different because what I remember now that you mentioned that I do think maybe because I was trying to tell myself this too, we have plenty of time at the class and we learned an X amount of time and we're still in the early stage of this. So everything's okay. But at the same time, I'm feeling maybe we're the exception to the rule. Yeah. Yeah, Since I do say many times, there's a huge range of normal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. 
One of the other things too, is I mean, with this whole process, I've never been in the hospital for anything or had any sort of medical issues. And I don't like hospitals. Whenever I visited people there, I would get, you know, kind of faint. So I was just kind of scared about being in there as the patient. And I really didn't want any sort of, I didn't really want an epidural or I I was nervous about things like that too. And I was like, not like dead set against it. It was more like, I'm going to try not to, but we'll see what happens. Kind of keeping an open mind. And I remember when I was home and maybe two hours into this process, the amount of pain I was in, I was just like, I don't know how much worse is it going to get if I'm doing this for like the next 18 hours or something. Doesn't that play mind games with you? Because no one can tell you how long you have to do this intensity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that in that respect, that things moved quickly. And that was probably like the worst of it. Yeah. It really seems like you woke up at 530 AM in active labor. (laughs) because your body was just like very efficient for a first timer. Yeah. It was probably around 9 Mm AM that I noticed there was like a trickle of water or something coming out. So that's when we called the doctor the second time. And she's like, your water's probably broke and you just start no rush, but you want to make your way to the hospital. So that's what we did. Did you guys drive or did you get an Uber or a Lyft? We, we took an Uber. It took us a little while to get out the door because I insisted that Clint deflate my yoga ball. You wanted to be prepared because I have had <laughs> students who were so sad that they made it to the hospital without it. <laughs> Good for you. It took, what, like 10 minutes? and It does. Yeah, it can take a little while. It was uh, <laughs> 10 minutes that we really didn't have to spare. <laughs> Yeah, I remember we made our way out and Clint went to the driver and explained the situation, just like you taught us. For listeners, what she's talking about is I recommend handling logistics out of her earshot because that her hearing you handle logistics really activates her what's called the neocortex, the thinking brain. And we need to just let that thinking brain rest and not have to think about anything else. And so that's where that recommendation comes from to go out to the cabbie and just like say, hey, just want to let you know she's in labor, but there's no rush. Take your time. Well, (laughs) maybe there was a rush in your case, but (laughs) just to let them know kind of what's going on so that they're less likely to panic and go dangerously fast. (laughs) I actually thought he drove like very normally. Yeah, he was a solid driver. And not only that, though, we were lucky too that being it was a holiday, traffic wasn't too bad. There wasn't we were able, any, really. Yeah, there really wasn't any. We were able to get over the bridge pretty quickly. What do you think? Like 20 minute trip from here to the hospital? So, so was this on actual Monday, President's Day, yes. or just that weekend? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we were going um, to Wild Cornell. So I laid across the back seat of the car because I couldn't sit or <laughs> do anything. And I just remember like laying there and trying to breathe. And I think the contractions were getting like really close together at that point. And I was just kind of, 
I think screaming a lot of the way. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> don't mind me, just ignore me. <laughs> Kept apologizing to the driver for the noise. <laughs> Clint, were you in the back seat or the front seat? I think you, were you laying on? Yeah, I was like laying like on his lap. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I don't know if at that point you had started to say that you felt like he was coming and my memory's a bit foggy at this point about it but I think you said that and I was like still like oh no it's early you know it's too soon we have plenty of time here still and at the same time in the back of my mind I remember being like pretty like nervous (laughs) about this like we're gonna you know have have the baby uh, in the uber I just remember just being anxious at that point just because of the way you were at that point Yeah. Yeah, Were you spontaneously bearing down at that point, Lisa? Do you remember? I'm sure it's a little foggy. Well, I also feel like because I I was like laying on my side in kind of like a weird position, I'm not really sure kind of what I, I was doing as far as that goes. That makes sense. So I was laying there and I guess I don't know, holding holding him in, but (laughs) maybe being like laying on my side like that in the car kind of helped. That is a recommendation for a labor that's going really fast is lie Mm -hmm. down because maybe that'll slow it down. (laughs) So great. That's good that you did that. Got to bookmark that for uh, the next child. (laughs) Or maybe you need to give birth at home next time and not have to transfer. Once we got out of the car, I realized like it was like happening. I think a security guard came out with a wheelchair when he saw us and he was like, sit down. And Clint was telling me too, they're like, sit down. And I'm like, I can't sit down. I'm like, I think there's something there. <laughs> and so I was facing the wheelchair, holding on to the armrests, kind of hunched over. And I was like, he's coming. <laughs> as soon as she said that, like, I'm still at this point where I do not want to believe that the baby is coming, right? We're not in the hospital. We're not with the doctor. I don't want to believe it. But when she told me that, I knew 100% that that baby was coming. (laughs) And the way I reacted to this was, it's coming. So she had sweatpants on. I pulled down her sweatpants, right? And it's outside. And there, there's Noah. There he is. I can see his his head. And I'm like, this baby is coming out right now. And I just got under her and I caught him. I remember being like covered in amniotic fluid and holding him. And I remember too, I was relieved because you know, he came out, I guess, the way we he was supposed to, right? And he cried almost immediately. So I remember being relieved. And I remember I had this baby in my arms and I like, I don't know what to do with this guy. I'm just holding him here. And a woman came out. I don't know if she was a nurse or a doctor there. I don't think she was like on her shift or anything, but she took Noah and wrapped him in her coat. And and then I think another, what was it? Another couple came out Hmm. They were leaving the hospital and they stopped and they kind of helped us. And the woman was like, do you want me to try to get you some blankets or do you want me to cover you? And I was like, I I think I was in so much shock that I was just like, I I don't know, like, it doesn't matter. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, like I think at the same time, right, they were trying to just assist. And I forget who, maybe it was security, I don't know, but there were people that ran out from the ER not too long thereafter that. And it seemed like, I don't know, like a lot of people is like, what, like nine or 10 There were a lot of people all of a sudden came running towards us. And this whole time, Clint was behind me when he caught Noah. So I still like haven't seen the baby. <laughs> and you're leaning over the wheelchair, and there's, you know, right? A few people okay. around yeah. kind of telling us, like, oh, he looks perfect. You're yeah. fine. Like, great job. Like, reassuring. So I'm just standing there and I'm like, still like leaning over this wheelchair. And I'm like, did this really just happen? I, I didn't even, I couldn't even yeah. like process what was going on. I bet you never thought in class when we went through pushing positions and giving birth <laughs> positions, when I said standing and leaning over, I bet you never envisioned yourself leaning over a <laughs> wheelchair at the curb no. of Wild Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. But yeah, I mean, I knew that like kneeling position sort of sounded like that was something that would work for me and that I wanted to do more so than like lying on my back. But I was that was like another thing I was just worried about, like, how am I, you know, going to make sure that they let me do this? And there are just all these different thoughts that I had. And I just took that all out of the equation. (laughs) (laughs) I have to worry about these things. Right. Um, And so I guess one of the doctors that came out, took the baby and passed him between my legs, like in front of me. And had me hold him and sit down in the wheelchair and they brought us inside. Because the cord is still attached, right? So they needed to like do this little football punt to you. (laughs) When we got inside the ER, there were even more people standing around waiting to greet us. (laughs) Did they have you sit in the wheelchair and wheeled you in or did you walk in? They wheeled me in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Usually they're pretty like, you have a seat, even if you haven't given birth yet and you're just in labor, they often Mm -hmm. offer you a wheelchair. Okay. I was just curious. Um, And so they started, one of the doctors started asking me all sorts of questions and throughout, you know, this, I guess while this was happening, it was only like a couple of minutes of that before an OB came and she just kind of took a look at me and the baby and she was like, they look fine. We're just going to go, I'm just going to take them to labor and delivery. Like, you're, you don't need to do anything here. So we went upstairs and I delivered the placenta there, kind of finished things off and Clint cut the cord. We wanted to delay that as long as possible. And <laughs> which <laughs> because of the way things worked. It's inevitable. <laughs> I think, at least that part of the plan worked out. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I would think that you got like way more than they normally would have given you just right. under the so, circumstances. Yeah. So we didn't have to ask you know, for kind of extra time Uh (laughs) for that. (laughs) And I mean, I just feel really lucky that the whole thing turned out just fine. And there were, you know, no complications or anything weird that happened. It was just that it all just happened so, so fast. And Clint, any thoughts on I mean, I'm sure you were just in fight or flight mode catching that baby, but catching your son, but any reflections on those moments or afterwards? Yeah, no, it's funny because we had talked to friends, obviously about this after the event. And one of our friends said, oh, my husband, he would have fainted. He could have never done that. And I'm like, I don't think so. I think it's just like, it was just 
like kind of like a natural thing to do that you're not going to let your child fall (laughs) onto the concrete i mean you will do whatever it takes it was almost like involuntary i would say that's how i i feel about i mean i didn't even have time to think it was just natural it's like here he is i gotta catch him you know right yeah my husband has i don't know if you're familiar with vasovagal syncope but like sight of blood plunk like passes out or at least gets really lightheaded and thinks he's about to pass out. And he helped catch our baby when we had two with our second born and totally was able to do it. So it's amazing what our bodies can do and can surprise us with. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And I I just want to mention just so listeners don't get it in their head that this is really common for a first timer (laughs) that I've taught thousands of students over the so far 11 years that I've been doing this work. And to my knowledge, you guys are the third couple in those thousands of students to give birth who didn't make it to their birthplace. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not super common and it's a great story to tell, right? And in all three circumstances, things went fine. It it almost always is just fine. And then you do have a great story to tell. (laughs) Do you remember your early discussions about this after like the initial shock of it all and processing through that together? Just any reflections on that? I think we just like went over what happened several times, probably just talked through what happened, trying to figure out what did we miss? Where did we like go wrong? Not realizing like what was happening or something along those lines. And I remember when I was in the hospital and my doctor wasn't the one on call when we got there, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I saw her the day that we were coming home and she walks into the room like, what happened? And I'm like, I have no idea. I thought we were all prepared. I think I skipped a stage of labor or something. And she's like, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Just a lot of the things that I was really worried about, I wound up not having to you avoided it altogether. <laughs> That's great. When our midwife didn't make it to us with our second baby, she swore several times, Lisa, I just think something deep in your psyche wanted it to be a family only affair. And I was like, okay, but it makes me think of you in this situation of like, maybe something in your psyche was like, nope, I'm just going to be really efficient here. <laughs> Whether we realize it or not, I don't know. And it, that's so special that Noah will always be able to say it was daddy's hands who welcomed him into the world. I just think that is the coolest thing. <laughs> I did get a call a few days after we came home, I guess from the hospital, they had some questions filling out the birth certificate that there was no attending doctor listed. And <laughs> there was, we list the security there. guard or so I had to kind of explain. I'm like, well, <laughs> it wasn't a doctor that delivered him. <laughs> did they say the hospital's name since you were on the property? So they listed Clint as the attending. I, guess. I love that. It was like <laughs> under the, it was the other box. Right. And like they printed um, my name. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> You can now be an OB or a midwife. If only were that easy. I know, sure. right, right. Yeah, Clint, you'll probably, for years from now, you'll probably be called a midwife or an OB because my husband, they're always like, midwife Brian. <laughs> Whether he wants that or not. But I think before we took your class, I never would have like even thought of doing anything other than 
having my baby in the hospital. But after learning that there are so many other options that looking back on kind of how things went for us, (laughs) had I known what it would be like, which I guess you never really know, but I think in the future or even for like other people that are thinking about it, if you feel like you would be more comfortable at home or in another setting, I would definitely recommend looking into that. Yeah. And please keep me posted. If you conceive another baby, I'd love to hear what your choice ends up being along those lines. Either something really close or at home might be really excellent options. (laughs) Well, one of the things like my doctor told me was if I did have another um, baby that they would likely schedule an induction because it went so fast and they wouldn't want to sort of, you know, risk me not getting into the hospital in time. That is quite interesting. What are your thoughts on that? What are your feelings on that? I don't know that I love that idea. I was just like, okay, we'll see what happens. I I don't know what's next for us. But yeah, I don't know that that's something I'd want either. But we'll see. (laughs) That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. It surprises me that did they say that like in the first day or two after birth? Or was it like at your six week or? Um, I think it was during my postpartum visit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which was virtual because everything had started. Right. On at that point. Right. Yeah. Your six week appointment was probably like at the very beginning. And as things were getting really scary here in the city, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was not super happy about that. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know what I was supposed to feel like at the time. And just seeing someone on the screen when this was all like very new, all this virtual stuff. Yeah. Was- I think the first time I did anything virtually and now obviously I think people are much more comfortable with it, but it did make me nervous that I wasn't actually seeing the doctor in person. I think she focused more on just asking mentally how I was doing. Sure. Yeah. Um, But yeah, as far as like physically, it was just like, no, you're probably fine. Like, Mm, It's okay if you're not comfortable sharing this, but did you have stitches? Did you have tearing? I had a slight tear. Mm -hmm. And what was Noah's weight? He was seven pounds and three ounces. Oh, almost the national average last I checked. It was like seven, two, which was what my son was. Oh, really? Our firstborn. Yeah. Well, are there any other things you haven't gotten to share that you wanted to share or any specific insights in your year of being parents that you'd like to share with expectant or new parents? I think no matter how much we read or prepared or, or thought we did, it obviously didn't go the way that we thought it would. But I would just say to keep an open mind and just kind of go with the flow, because no matter what you do to prepare, whether it's more a textbook case than what we had, things are still not going to go exactly the way you expect. So just be ready for that, for surprises. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, yeah, like you said, I would just say, you know, be be flexible. I I just remember throughout your labor and then his birth being relieved for you, you know, and the baby at the end of it, you know, and and that's just because like I said before, I just not having any experience of of that at all. It's like an anxious time. Like, I don't know if you felt any anxiety at all during that, but you're like concentrating on the labor and yeah, I couldn't really think much beyond that. So I just trying remembering to breathe. That was in the moment. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the best thing advice I could say during labor is just like don't think 
too far ahead. Be ready, be prepared, plan so you know what to do when the time comes. But when you're helping, just go from one one thing to the next. Don't think too far ahead in the process. Just do your job at um, <laughs> the point you need to do it. <laughs> and then it's been interesting too, this first year with Noah. I mean, the, the pandemic has, has been awful, but I feel like too, it's been nice that we've been, been able to be home with him like a whole lot more than we would have been since we're both working from home. So yeah, we've... there's a silver lining. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard from a lot of new parents is, wow, like we wouldn't have had so much time in the home together and that that has offset for people who have given birth and been pregnant during the pandemic and whose partners have not been able to go to the prenatal visits. You might think that might hinder bonding, but then on the other side of birth, many of them have had more time. Mm -hmm. uh, And that's been a silver lining. Glad to hear that that's been the case for you. Yeah, he's doing great. And I'm just thankful that like he has no idea these times that we're living in. And so he is very lucky in that regard. Do you mind my asking the timing for each of you in terms of when you started feeling bonded, connected to your baby? Was that during pregnancy? Was that at, well, at birth was so hectic that I don't know if it could have been <laughs> right at birth. Just like, you're like, where's my baby? I don't know where my baby went. Or in those first few hours after birth, or was it days or weeks or months after birth that you started feeling that for each um, of you? I I think I felt that during my pregnancy a bit, he was very active (laughs) in the womb. And so I think that like constant moving and feeling him there for so long made it feel much more real for me that like, there's actually something there. But once he came out and we got rushed upstairs and all this stuff was happening and I I still, I couldn't even believe that I actually had a baby. So Mm -hmm. It <laughs> yeah, that shock mode. It, it took a minute to realize that he's actually like here now. <laughs> sure. And I think one other thing too, and you were probably gonna say this, but I think soon after we came home, we're just talking about it, we both realized even though he's only been here for such a short time, we feel like he's always been with us. It's kind of hard to remember a time without Noah, even though he's so new. Yeah, that's actually that's what I was about to say. And <laughs> yeah. I that's what I remember. I remember having that discussion with you and I remember that being, of course, very early on, maybe like a few days, maybe even a week after he came home. But yeah, I mean, it felt like he was, it was part of the family, even though of all these memories before, no, it just felt like he was always a, a, a part of our family. It would be strange for him to be away now for a day or two. It really would be. It's very hard to really, mm-hmm. you know, articulate that feeling. I also wonder if the timing of the pandemic shutdown being so soon after the birth, for me, I don't know about you guys, but that has caused such a bizarre time warp kind of thing where I see things in emails or I'm reminded of things that happened right before the shutdown. And I'm like, that was last year? It feels like it was like three years ago. It can't be last year. I think things started shutting down so soon after we had him that yes, having a baby changes your life, but we, it's hard to sort of figure out what's changed because we had a baby or because there's a pandemic. And yeah, it's like right. everything that we've done before was like before Noah. <laughs> so that's kind of strange too. But it's just been kind of 
figuring things out as we go. I'm like any new parents, we often feel like we have no idea what we're doing or we're not sure what we're supposed to do. And we've made it through the first year and I'm sure we'll continue feeling like we have no idea what we're doing. I wanted to ask you, how did you feel when they discharged you from the hospital to go home? I know when we were speaking before I hit record, you both said you were ready to go home, but just like what was going on in your head as they were probably wheeling you out in a wheelchair with your baby and Mm -hmm. Clint, you were walking probably by her side, I'm guessing. My mom drove us home from the hospital. So I Mm -hmm. think that was helpful just that we weren't completely alone. Oh, nice. At first, there was like another person there who knew what to do. Had done it before, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was definitely like in those first few days, I remember, I think both of us just didn't sleep a lot because we were constantly like checking, like, yeah. he's, breathing, he's too quiet. Yes, he's right? like, you know, kind yeah. of yeah. every new parent <laughs> <laughs> watching and worrying. So there was a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think we would do that if we had another child. Just, but. I mean, you have to experience it first, but yeah, I, I do remember that now just being like, oh, is he okay? Like waking up and having to go over and, and, and check. I mean, I still do that sometimes he's <laughs> sleeping in his own room and I still like, if I wake up during the night, sometimes I'll either check the monitor. I don't go into his room as much anymore, but I do still, if I wake up for any reason, I feel like I need to check on him. I started out trying to breastfeed. And it was really difficult. And that was one of the things I just didn't feel like super confident coming home from the hospital doing. And we tried, gave it a try for a couple of weeks. And then I started pumping for a while and then just eventually switched to formula feeding probably like two and a half, three months after Mm -hmm. he was born. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what made it even more difficult was because everything was starting to shut down and there wasn't, everyone wasn't like up and running with virtual consultations and help and all of those. Yeah. Everyone was scrambling. We were so nervous, like watching the news. There was just like too much going on that it was hard, I think, Mm -hmm. to kind of focus on that and And probably have the emotional energy to pour into it because it's so emotionally fraught, which a lot of us don't realize going into it. I think just, you know, know, the timing that just made that really challenging for Mm -hmm. us. Um, Yeah. I mean, in these pandemic times, I think it's so important to give ourselves lots of grace and lots of flexibility (laughs) and where we might've been really like determined to do something before, like you only have so much energy and our mental health does matter. So yeah, I totally yeah, get and that. That's something that I wanted to try, but I wasn't like, oh, if I don't do it, I'm a failure. <laughs> I didn't have good, that sort good. of attitude. Good- like, we'll give it, see what happens and I'll try. And so I think maybe because I had that sort of mindset going into it with everything else that was going on, I just was like, you know what? I can't. And thank you for sharing that. I think that will help someone out there. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's been lovely to reconnect with you, even if it's on Zoom, our (laughs) our new normal. (laughs) And yeah, I really appreciate your taking the time to share your story. It's been very exciting and very fun to hear more details. (laughs) Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for having us. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. 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 So that was a much shorter story for obvious reasons than most shared here. Today, I'm going to talk about two educational topics. 
the range of normal of timing of bonding, and tips for catching a baby in the unlikely event that you have to. You heard Lisa and Clint talk about feeling like their son had always been with them. That's so beautiful, and that reflection prompted me to share something I always share in birth class because it's super important. What I mean is the range of normal timing in which parents feel bonded or connected to their babies. One version of normal timing to start feeling connected with your baby is during pregnancy. Another version of normal is not really feeling it until you actually meet your baby at birth. But the entire reason I want to share this with you is the third and very common timing. Please hear and remember this. It is very common and normal for a parent to not feel connected even right at birth. There can often be a feeling of, who is this little alien I'm meeting? I don't know you. It can, in a very normal way, take days or weeks or even months after your baby's birth to grow into that feeling that this is your baby to whom you feel attached and bonded. So please don't feel guilty if you don't feel that instant connectedness when you meet your little one. It's all too common for people to feel like something's wrong with them when it takes longer. Share that with your partner who might not be listening, please, because I'm talking to not only those of you who are giving birth, but also to partners. Super important. Okay, one more thing before we close things out for today. While this story is an incredibly uncommon story of someone not making it to, or in this case, inside, their intended birth location, it's not a bad idea to spend just a few minutes studying the basic principles if you were to have to catch your own baby or your partner's baby. A few strategies if you're somewhere that's not your intended place of birth and it seems like birth is going more quickly than anticipated. If the birthing person is feeling an urge to bear down, one important thing to do is to call 911 if you're not already en route to the birthplace. The birthing person could lie down in an attempt to help the labor to slow until clinical support can arrive. But if there's no stopping baby from coming before any clinical support can get to you, then the birthing person and or partner will need to basically catch the baby as they're being born. Remember the umbilical cord is attached, so just check to see if the cord is wrapped around any part of the baby, and if so, very gently unwrap it while bringing baby directly to the birthing parent's chest. Then grab a towel to put on baby's back to keep the part of them that's not skin to skin nice and warm. Birthing person and baby can then slowly go someplace to lie down and wait for help to arrive, and the birthing person could start body feeding right away to encourage the parent's bleeding to slow down. Depending on how soon help arrives, the placenta might also be delivered before they come, so getting in the bathtub with baby might lead to the easiest cleanup afterwards. But in the vast majority of cases, that's all you need to know. The cord continues to deliver oxygen, blood, and nutrients to the baby for 5 to around 20 minutes or so after birth, so you just leave it alone and let it do its thing. It's actually really beneficial for the baby. There's a helpful reference page or two on this topic in a book I always recommend to my birth class students, The Birth Partner by Penny Simkin, which I'll link to in this episode's show notes over at birthmattersshow.com. Okay, here's a sneak peek of what's up next week. Did I think I was going to be in labor for 36 hours? Definitely not. But I just had to roll with it and kind of surrender to the whole thing and take it moment by moment, contraction by contraction, 
That was another great thing that my mother kept saying to me. She was like, if you get in the shower and even if it gets you through two contractions, that's two contractions more, two contractions closer. So just kind of staying in the moment and you really have to just roll with it. It was really incredible that way because I'm a pretty like type A in control kind of person Mm -hmm. and it's not that kind of experience at all. (laughs) This week, remember to be gentle with and compassionate to yourself. You and your baby deserve that. Thank you so much for listening to the Birth Matters podcast. Hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.